last song. I took a little glance around the place and, and people were just pouring it out, which is what it was saying. We pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. Great are you, Lord. I'd like to read a um, piece. Is that really loud for you? Is it good? Excellent. All right, I'll just deal with it. I remember last time I used this Bible to preach, I thought I'll get a new Bible with a better font. <laughs> the words are shrinking. This is in Isaiah chapter 61, about roughly seven to 800 years, centuries before Christ. This is Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them the comfort of all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, that they would be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities They've been that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and in their riches you will boast. Instead of their shame, my people will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, they will rejoice in their inheritance. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land, and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and, an everlasting and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants, please remind me of that. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the young plant come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. What a beauty. I got stuff out of there now I didn't get this morning. There's some really good gear there. And then centuries later, sometime after God has become incarnate, as God, after the Spirit, the great eternal Spirit, clothed himself with humanity and became flesh and made his dwelling among us, Jesus is living just like one of the people, growing up amongst us. And then it come, he must have had some standing because in Luke chapter 4, in Luke chapter 4, he finds himself 
in the synagogue. This is Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. <coughs> Only duly. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now, I want to I make a point here, is that the way, in my ignorance, I know a little bit, that the way the Jewish uh, reading through the Torah worked is that each Sabbath day they would meet and they would, they would work through particular readings year after year after year. It would be particular readings and they still do it centuries and, and millennia later. There is, a, there is a set order of the reading through of the Torah, right? And it just so happened... Think about this. It just so happened that on the particular day that Jesus was in that synagogue in Nazareth, his hometown, the reading of the day was this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. This is verse 18 of chapter 4. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor... He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Right on that day, Isaiah has been quoted for centuries as they, go, as they work through it. And that's what he comes up with. <laughs> then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. They were staring at him. And he began by saying, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. That was, that's enormous. Who, he, was, he was calling himself the one through which God was bringing freedom for the prisoners, releasing the oppressed, letting the blind recover their sight. They'd known this scripture, it's been taught generation after generation and he stands there and has the gall to say, this scripture today is fulfilled. It's fulfilled. Don't look for it any longer. It's fulfilled today in your hearing. And they were amazed and all spoke well of him and the gracious way that he spoke. And Jesus said to them, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. And he, he goes on. They were so offended actually on that day, they were so offended by the things that he said that they tried to kill him. They actually took him out to the edge of the hill of his hometown, his own people. They took him out to throw him off the cliff. And, and it says that uh, they were about to throw him over and Jesus walked right back through them. I love that. I wish I was there one. I, maybe there'll be a time thing. I always imagine heaven being a place where we can just scroll through and find the time that we want to go back to and be a part of. Who knows? But that would be one. I want to see how Christ walked back through them because I think he had some swag about him to make a claim like that. And without jumping around and everywhere, but Jesus came and, and 
taught the new way of the kingdom. Luke records um, this happening right, right after his uh, baptism, after his temptation, uh, after, and he goes and he basically says, here I am, folks, now the kingdom. And in Matthew he talks about as Jesus taught about the kingdom, as he went through Galilee, he taught about the kingdom of God and his words were effectively, repent and believe the kingdom of heaven is here. Repent, believe, the kingdom is here. Repentance is a, is a Christian-y word. It's a, it's a God word, but it has amazing meaning. You understand what repentance means. If you know the Lord, then you have experienced repentance. Uh, people describe it as like a 180-degree turn, going back the other way. It's really um, a changing of your mind. It's a, it's, an, it's a deliberate choice to think differently about something. And the kingdom is here, and where the kingdom comes, there is repentance. I had a, uh, earlier this week a great story. I'll try to make it quick, because I want to get to the point of repentance. But um, I work as a chaplain in a high school up the road, and uh, I had couple of weeks ago an altercation with a young man he was extremely rude to me he was out of line and I I'm getting a bit older I've got some grumpy old man stuff going on and so I dealt with him a little bit and we was the first time we'd met and he gave me a fake name which was very foolish because then I I spoke to other teachers and I found out who he was and I was I was fired up Anyway, so I went and dealt with him and we were, ugh, we didn't fight. And then the next week, I was away with him on camp. And he, for one day, got put in my cook group. And the, and the people that I was uh, working with, the other staff, they knew about this story, about what had happened with this lad. And, and so one of the teachers said, oh, he's in your cook group, are you going to get him? Like, you're going to, going to... I don't know, make him do all the cooking or something and all the clay, what? And I, and I just went, no, that's not what this is about. That's not what we do. In that moment, I realised the very, the opposite of the way that would be understandable to treat someone like that in this world. And my goodness, I better not do that. That's not how... A follower of Christ behaves. And so he came in and um, I, I gave him the job that he wanted to do and he didn't just do one meal, he helped for two meals and it was really good. And then throughout the rest of the camp there were other times where he was in a group with me and it, it, was, it went really well. Then on Tuesday, this last Tuesday, he, the, the group are walking up and, and I was just watching out over the court, basketball courts where my office was and I just watched people, I like doing that, watching all these lads and lassies wandering around and, and he came up to me and looked me in the eye and put his hand out and said, I, re- I want to say sorry. I couldn't believe it. Everything that I'd said, because even on camp, he'd been a bit brave and I'd had to deal with, this, with his mates 
And um, he said, I want to say sorry. And I said, well, hang on. Let's make a conversation out of this. You come back at first break. And so at first break, I watched him. He was over the other side of the basketball courts playing with his mates. And I thought, oh, is he going to forget? It's a big deal. And then I know the ball sort of bounced over. This, I just love, I tell you what, the Lord is in every single thing. If you want to have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Lord is doing in any given day, it, he, he will give you the most blessed opportunities in your life. And so I was standing there in the doorway of my office and the basketball came all the way bouncing up toward my office and um, I, what, he, he saw it and he, he followed the ball and then he sort of looked at me and I saw him go, oh, and he came straight up and I thought, this is good, Lord, because I wanted to give this lad an opportunity to, pro- to experience repentance and forgiveness. And so he came up, he sat down and we had a conversation and it was a really, really good conversation. It's probably one of the best um, repentances I've ever seen. He could describe, I don't let anybody get off lightly, you can ask my kids. They have to say why they're sorry and what they're sorry for. He could explain what he was sorry for, what he did wrong, his lack of respect, and I hadn't even prompted him, he just nailed it. And so then I could honour and bless him. Our conversation became the very opposite. And so I talked to him about drawing out of the man that he is rather than the bratty little boy and could really empower the masculinity that was in this lad. And you should have seen him soaking it up because of repentance. That's not part of what I was going to talk about, but that's right there. That's good. That, the, that, that he could experience the power of forgiveness and I could apologise to him about where I'd misstepped in our dealing because there was something in there that I'd actually gotten wrong. And I could, you know, we had an outstanding interaction. And that, the reason that could happen is because Jesus did what he did. So what could be a war and, and develop into bitterness and angst for the rest of life wasn't. It got turned around. It got, it got opposite, you know, it was redeemed. What could have been a rift in a relationship for years to come was redeemed in that moment. Isn't that amazing? Because the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord was on me, Jesus said. Because he has anointed me to bring light in the darkness, freedom for the oppressed. Where there is blindness, sight is recovered. It's amazing. A few months ago, the school had their cross-country and I, I wasn't there, but I heard this story. There was a young man there, and he's quite prominent in the school, a year 12 student, and he's a Christian. And the race was being run. And, you know, it's not like old school cross countries where you would really go cross country and get in the creeks and tackle each other and all of that sort of fun stuff. Anyway, don't get me started on Keep on track. The... They were running the race and they were running around, around the oval on the cross country and he was in first place and he's a fit bloke. He's a footballer and, and the race is effectively his. 
And he says that as he was coming along, he noticed there was a couple of year 10 girls and one was really struggling. And, or they were both struggling, but one pulled off. So they were going as friends, these two girls, obviously looking after each other. And then one had had enough and she kind of broke off. And so the other was sticking at it and, and really struggling in the race. Now this fella, he's, he's like there's a lot of prestige in this. But he chose to stop, have a chat to her. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm just trying to, you know. And he stayed with her for the rest of her race. As all the other runners, as all the other runners ran past him. And he stuck with this young woman, this girl, right to the end of her race. And then she'd finished her race, so he had to go and finish his race. He came in last. He came in last place. And when he'd finished, his mates laughed at him. Came across the line, finished, and his mates are like, yeah, you came last, you loser, you know, that sort of thing. Mate. I love that. Because then he said to his mates something like, what are you doing? Like, it's, that's not what this is about. It's a school cross country. <laughs> We're not at the Olympics. He understood because Christ had come and at some point in the years to follow, recent years, Christ captured this young man's heart. And so he's gotten a taste of the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God has affected him that he would surrender the glory of winning the race to do what he did. Isn't that beautiful? Do you want to hear another story? It was in about 1780. William Wilberforce gets into Parliament in England. I'm going to butcher this story, but stick. that means that you, can, that you can go and check it out yourself. And there's movies been about this. But anyway, a guy named Wilbur, William Wilberforce gets into Parliament, roughly 1780, and it's five years later. So I don't know what happened, but he met Christ. He met the one who fulfilled the prophecy that there would be a recovery of sight for the blind and freedom for the oppressed. That's what Jesus said. I've come. I'm anointed to bring freedom for the oppressed. William Wilberforce met Jesus. And he allowed his power as a politician, as a member of parliament, he surrendered his power to the will of God. He surrendered his power and he allowed... Is he repented, I guess. He allowed his mind to be changed to the mind of Christ. And so that he got busy. And for the next 20 years, he, he fought against slavery in, in Britain. You know, the empire all over the world. Wilberforce endured the mockery, endured defeat endured a loss of relationship with people, a loss of support with people. He endured great hardship and being, oh, sorry, being mocked. Read, read the story, watch the movie. But it took 20 years 
and slavery, you know, they, they passed an act banning slavery. And then some years later, across the whole British Empire, slavery came to its end because of this one guy who decided that he would allow the kingdom of God through Christ to help him repent, to change his mind about what living life was all about. For him, it was about being in politics. What is it for you? What's your life about? For me, it's I go and spend days working in a school, just wandering around. What, is it, what happens for you in your days? What are you doing with your life? How will, how will you and me just do what someone like this young fella in the high school did or William Wilberforce did? Let's not worry about great repercussions might be or might not be. It's just people, Jesus' disciples, just ordinary everyday people, allowing their minds to be reshaped by the kingdom of God. What is that going to look like for you as repentance plays out? For this young man who came to apologise to me, there was a shift in his face. He was looking at me right in my eyes. He, maybe we'll have more conversation, but he, he repented and allowed grace and honour to affect the conversation. It's really a relaxing in to what is already in us. That's all it is, I think, living as a Christian. And then through us, giving our, our thinking, our minds, that's the repentance. We align our minds with Christ so that then you will discover, we discover, and I, as I look out, I know many of you that we are busy about the work of mercy in this place where we have, we have allowed this call of Christ, freedom for the oppressed. So where there's oppression, we, we seek to bring freedom for that. It costs us money, it costs us time, so much emotional energy, it costs us. It means we have to spend things that, that our culture around us just does not understand and they'll mock us. Like this young fella giving up the race. That's weird. How foreign is that, that you were in first place and you would choose to become last? What does the Lord say? last as he did but the last will become first isn't that beautiful he's got everything covered the lord does in the bible in the scriptures we everything is covered for us there is always something there's a morsel for us every single day i need to go back to that luke one there was something in that just a minute no the isaiah one As a bridegroom for the soil makes a young plant come up when jesus was talking about hang on let me say that again for as the soil makes the young plant come up and a garden causes seeds to grow so the sovereign law will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations so this is what happens in jesus talks a lot about the kingdom of god and what it's like and like a mustard seed and that and um you know there's lots of little bits that he describes and at one point one of his little passages he says effectively that a seed a farmer plants a seed in the ground and then he wanders off and does whatever he's going to do 
But that seed in the soil, because of the process, because of the nature of the soil and the nature of the seed, you just leave it alone and it will grow. There's not a lot needs to be done by the farmer, but we know the farmer, it is their job. They tend it, they grow it, they do all of the things that are required. But just because the seed is the seed and the soil is the soil, leave it alone and a, and a plant will grow. I love that because when the seed is planted in someone and the seed is the kingdom of God in us, it's the word of Christ in you, in any day that we wake up, there is seed in us. And if we, become, or if we just relax into the soil that we naturally are, the kingdom of heaven will come out through us and there will be freedom for those who are oppressed. People who don't understand, who can't see, even those that literally can't see, they will recover their sight. If we just allow ourselves to be soil, that's all we're invited to do. It's beautiful. We don't have to try very hard. When we respect... When we respect um, a core on our life, like I love what Abby's doing, you know, in the Mercy Centre. Not just what Abby, she's just, she's the face and energy behind that. But we are all in this story to bring freedom for the oppressed. I'm amongst a group of mates who, um, as it turns out, a group of them have spent some significant time in prison. They've been prisoners and done hard time. But the Lord, as they've, they've repented, they're walking with the Lord now, and that seed is being redeemed. Time, But that seed is coming up. Now they're going and doing ministry in prison. There's amazing things happening out of the juvenile detention centre right now where these young people are locked up because they've been stupid or outright evil, some of the things they've done. Freedom from the, for the prisoners. So these people are going out and doing it. This is as a result of repentance, of, of aligning their minds with Jesus. That's for all of us every single day. There was another part in there that talked about the covenant. Yeah, there it is. For I, the Lord, this is in Isaiah, and Jesus. this is what Jesus said, and this is part of the quote. He said, For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. In his faithfulness, this is what we are invited to trust as we spend our lives getting amongst what Jesus is doing all around us. Our lives become faith that he will repay us in some way. Who knows what that looks like, but we, have to, we are invited to trust that he will repay it. I will reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. When Jesus, that first time when he preached in the synagogue and for years he continued to teach on the kingdom of God, he was bringing a new way. He was basically saying, this is the way that you understand the world works, but I say, and he brought new teaching. And right from the start, it nearly meant that they were going to throw him off the cliff, but he was not put off by that. He was not daunted. Neither was William Wilberforce daunted at the threat and pressure. Neither was my friend who just continued to walk around the oval with this girl, daunted by the mockery that was going to come at him. The price that people are willing to pay because of this word. 
I will trust that they will be rewarded because there is an everlasting covenant made with them. And Jesus was saying, this is the way your world works. This is the way your thinking works. But repent and believe the kingdom is here. Align our minds with Christ and the kingdom just comes. It's like the seed in the soil. The kingdom just happens around us. And you will have your own stories. And tomorrow and today as we go out, you're going to be able to tell more stories as we allow the seed of God to grow in our spirits and then come out through our bodies, through our actions and our words, the kingdom comes out and you will find, as you do know, as we do find, the kingdom comes. People who feel oppressed or just down and heavy-hearted, they're redeemed. And I will make, Jesus said, an everlasting covenant with them, and he did. For some years later, at the Passover... He sat around the table with his disciples and they were doing their normal Passover, but he spun it and the, because the kingdom had come and it put a change. There's a new way. Passover is not Passover anymore, effectively. There's a new teaching. And this is a new commandment I give to you and he, all of his teaching about the kingdom of heaven, which is different. And he said, as he passed around the wine, he said, this, this is my blood. Do you want to, uh, let's do that now actually. Have you got these things? Let's do this now. Sounds like it's off the cuff, but I had planned to do this. Just anyway. Let's do this now. So they're passing around, they're doing Passover, they're passing around the, the bread, but Jesus puts the kingdom of God's spin on things. This is what, this is us. We are the kingdom of God's spin in the world. We are the light that is not hidden in dark, or when we shine in the darkness, the darkness can't comprehend. We are it. We are the light that is on a hill. Jesus said no one lights a candle and hides it. The whole point of light is to bring light to the whole house. And if that light shines, then the whole house will enjoy its light. He is the light of the world and he says that we are the light of the world. He goes back to heaven, he ascends into heaven so that the seed can just go out from the Father and you and I are the consequences of that seed. We are the consequences of that seed and we are the fruit that produces a hundredfold. We've become that. Like William Wilberforce ran into someone who knew God and he met Christ. At some point in our life story, we've run into Christ, you know, we are the fruit because the seed is in the soil. So Jesus, it all started with this, right here. They're passing the bread around, and this is the new covenant that Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 61. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. And, and Christians all around the world meet, and we do communion because everything that has to do with God, he talks about, tell the story, tell the story, tell the story. And, and as the centuries have gone on, we've continued to tell the story so that now someone's making a matzah, putting little bits of juice and little bits of tasteless cardboard in packs somewhere and churches are throwing money at these places and it's good because why this is where it starts, folks. They will put restrictions or what they do when they meet. The, the culture around us will, in its wisdom, decide that a virus is enough to shut down churches. But 
we will find ways. Jolly well, find ways to meet together and to, we will eat rubbish if we have to, to remember that this is where it all starts. Jesus passed the bread around and he said, this, guys, is my body and it's broken for you. They didn't understand it. It was hours away from being his joints pulled apart. My body is broken for you. This is the blood of the new covenant. My body broken for you. Take it and eat it. Let's do that. If you can do the bread first because we need to wash that down. Lord, just bear with me. This is a prayer. Lord, we just respect and honour your gift to us. We honour your life poured out and broken so that you could plant the seed and it has done it beautifully, Lord, right across the world. And so it changed slavery and yet even now in the 21st century, Lord, there are more slaves in the world than there ever has been before. We're in a fight all across the world in our own homes and in our own communities. But nonetheless, we celebrate and honour today your gift of your body that you allowed to be broken so that the kingdom could run rampant, so that the light could shine all across the world. And all across the world, folks, the light is shining. Christians every day are standing up and they're doing beautiful and amazing things that confounds the world and its wisdom. It confounds it. The light cannot be understood by the darkness. It cannot be overcome because of the body of Christ which is broken for us. And then he passed around the cup of wine and he said, take this, drink it. This is the sign of the blood of the new covenant. And they understood it in the, fact, in the context of sacrifice. They understood it and we can understand it, that love costs if light is going to shine, if love's going to win, if people are going to be redeemed, if the oppressed are going to be set free, if the blind are going to see, someone's going to have to pay. And someone's going to have to pay with their life. And Jesus gave us a model and he said, drink this. Now when we drink it, we, we sign up to this new covenant. It's an everlasting covenant that God was talking about in Isaiah. And then Jesus, it's going to cost, it's going to pay. Someone's going to have to pay. And Jesus said, I'll pay. This is my blood. Let's drink it. And in drinking it, we align ourselves, we repent, and we bind our mind to the mind of Christ and his understanding of what the kingdom effect in the world is. That's what we do when we drink this. Let's drink it. Because we're in. We say, we're in with you, Lord. Even some... We'll do whatever it takes. Christians across the world will find ways to share communion with one another in the Lord and respect and honour because we know the effect of that seed that's been planted in us. We can feel it. We know it. And if you haven't been knowing it and if, we, if you're moving away, then come back. We can come back so simply. We can just step into again the freedom of sight, our own freedom from oppression whatever form that oppression takes, whatever form of the brokenness of losing someone dear, of the wrestle, the daily wrestle of mental illness, whatever the form of that oppression or slavery 
or bondage. He has made an everlasting covenant with us. Lord, we, we thank you for your blood. We thank you for the power of your blood. And even standing here now, I say, let the blood of Christ cleanse you. For you here today and anyone watching this, the blood of Jesus, is he bled his blood and the blood of Jesus has power. The blood of the sacrifice is what cleansed the, the transgressions or the sin away and his is an everlasting blood and the blood of Christ is, has power to heal. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgives all your sins because of the blood of the new covenant. He forgives all your sins. Relax and repent and allow the kingdom of God to bind and hold and shape you. He forgives all our sins and he heals all our diseases. Let all disease be healed by the power of the blood of Jesus. That's what we drink to. That's what we celebrate today. That's who we are as followers of Christ. That's who we are as light of the world, shining on the hill in whatever context that you, are, that you find yourself in. That's the effect of the kingdom of God as seed in you, in me, as soil. Let's relax into the repentance and the freedom and the recovery of sight for the blind. Let's be the oppressed that are set free, that become the setting freeers from oppression. Isn't it good? All right. We should wrap up the talking and get about the doing. It's easier if we're all standing for, for people who need prayer to stand. So come on, let's stand up. What was that song? Great are you, Lord.